0: In the name of God, who creates, redeems, and sanctifies, amen. Amen. Please sit. Last week, while we focused on the story of the epiphany and the arrival of the kings and then the dream that the kings had, and the fact that they were going home a different way because they had heard from God, much of the rest of the church celebrated the baptism of the Lord. And we get a little bit of a snapshot of that in the gospel this morning, but I want us to start today just by filling out that scene a little bit, filling out the the picture a little bit from the little bit that we have from John in the gospel. At this point, no one really knows who Jesus is. His ministry hasn't started yet. So it's very likely that he just made his way to the Jordan with everyone else probably didn't have to hide himself or hide his face in any way. He just was part of the crowd walking toward the Jordan who were interested in John. This crowd wanted to hear what John was gonna say. Some of them knew him already. They were probably disciples of his. Others we know were coming out from the city to hear John and to hear his message of repentance. And so Jesus is sort of one in the midst of this big crowd. no one probably knew who he was. And so when he appears before John in the river, ready to be baptized, I imagine that was quite a shock. And John says to him, basically, I am not worthy to baptize you, it's you who should be baptizing me. And in their very brief exchange, Jesus urges him, and he essentially says to him, no, Let's go ahead and fulfill the work that God has given us to do. Let's live into these roles and these tasks that God has given us. Which likely would have made some good sense to John, who after all has built his entire life on fulfilling this task that God has given him, that God has set before him with, by the way, very little proof, and very little feedback, and very little help. And as we've talked about John in the last really about a month and a half since the beginning of Advent. We've heard, you know, little snapshots of that story and we'll reflect on some of them this morning because John's role here is really, really important. But in this moment, John goes ahead and he does exactly what Jesus asks him to do, even though it must have felt strange to him. And he baptizes Jesus in the Jordan. And then as we hear in the gospel this morning, Jesus comes up from the water, And we have this scene that probably some of you are very familiar with, where the heavens break open. And there's a couple of different versions of this in the gospels, but more or less the heavens break open and the spirit descends on Jesus and looks like a dove. And in some versions, there's a voice that comes from heaven. In others, the people can't quite understand what's happening, and so they hear thunder instead of a voice. And the voice says, this is my son, the beloved in whom I am well pleased. It's a description of, I think, what is an indescribable exchange between God and humanity, between God and Jesus, between Jesus and John. And I want us to start there this morning because I want you to try to imagine the scene if you can. And it's helpful, I think, actually, that Jesus isn't well known at this point and he's just part of the crowd because you can put yourself on the bank of the Jordan as well as part of the crowd who's watching this scene, hearing this scene, and not entirely sure what to make of it. So we've come to this place in the year now where John's story begins to wind down, right? He sort of rises for us at the beginning of Advent, and right around next week, he starts to kind of disappear and fall off the calendar until we make our way around again. And as his ministry decreases, Jesus's ministry, his presence, his public persona begins to increase more and more over the next three years. But here we have this moment between these two people who were destined to to cross, who were destined to be part of each other's lives. And they both choose to play their part, to do the work that God has given them to do, to fulfill what God intended, even though it may not make a whole lot of sense to them. And in so doing, they leave us an example. They leave us what is the gift of baptism, the waters that cleanse us and transform us and bury us with Christ so that that death is the only death we die. That is the great gift of baptism, that when we come out of the water, even if we're not submerged like Jesus in the Jordan, we have been marked as Christ's own forever and in living with him, and in particular in living with him in community in the way that we do in the church, we experience death with him, especially if you take seriously the journey in Lent and Holy Week each year. If you engage in that fully, we experience death with him on purpose so that when these bodies die, we believe and we know in our bones that we do not die an eternal death which is no small thing at all. And there are many, many sermons in there, but that's not where we're going. What really caught my attention today as I prepared for our time together is a sentence that's pretty early on in the passage. And it doesn't really have anything to do with the baptism itself or the way that John must have felt or what it must have been like to baptize the Messiah. So that too is another place that I'd encourage you to stop and think and wonder what that was like for John what caught my attention as I prepared for this sermon this morning was this sentence I myself did not know him but I came baptizing with water for this reason that he might be revealed to Israel so John the Baptist comes baptizing creating this whole movement transforming the people of God encouraging them to repent and live more faithfully so that Jesus might be revealed to Israel. John is preparing the people, calling them to live differently, to change, to change their hearts and their minds so that when Jesus comes, they might have eyes to see and ears to hear. John knows somehow deep in his bones, Maybe it's because he's had this rather unique life that we've reflected on for the last couple of weeks. Maybe it was a lot for him to process as he grew, as he began to understand, as he sort of woke up to the work that God had laid out for him. Maybe that's what gives him sort of this sense of knowing and compassion for the people around him, an understanding that the people need to be prepared before Jesus arrives. And there could be a lot of reasons for it. But this idea that the people need to be prepared, that they can't just be confronted with Jesus right away. It's almost as if Jesus would be too much of a shock, right? Which on some level I think is believable because actually if we take him seriously, if we contend with what he says in scripture, he should be be frequently shocking to us too. So maybe it's that without some preparation, without some softening of hearts and opening of minds, maybe it's that they wouldn't be able to hear him or see him, or that they would brush him off as some kind of eccentric or crazy person, someone who was just interpreting the scripture, but was off by himself and didn't really have much to say to them. Maybe for some people to just be confronted with Jesus right away would just be too hard, given that he asks, awfully hard things of us, too hard to hear, too hard to take in, certainly too hard to be willing to make the change, to follow. And so I think what this one sentence is actually showing us is that John is sort of like the warm-up act. And granted, he does that differently than any other human being could. John has a special place in the story. You remember a few weeks ago, Jesus acknowledges that himself. John does this in his own unique and special way. He has his own work to do. And he explains that a little bit today. He says he came to testify to the light, to bear witness to Jesus. But he has this incredibly special role. And he seems to do exactly what he's been asked to do. Because of his ministry, because of his work, because of his life and ultimately his sacrifice, many are able to see Jesus, to hear him and to follow him, in large part because they were prepared. And he's able to do that, I think in large part, because he seems to trust in this prophecy that has followed him his whole life. He seems to place his whole trust in the relationship that he has with God, and granted the gospel makes it sound like it's a very back and forth conversation, which if that makes you a little jealous, I'm right there with you. It sounds great, but he trusts in that voice. He trusts in the sense of God's presence with him, showing him where to go and telling him what to do, and we talked again about how fierce he was in the last couple of weeks, how wild and strange he was, that there was nothing that was going to throw him off his path. So once he had decided to fulfill that role, that was it. He was going to find a way, one way or another, to prepare the people for Jesus. And so now we come to this place where John begins to send his disciples to Jesus, where John begins to tell the people that he has seen, that he has baptized the Lamb of God, that God is acting, that something new is happening, that the thing he was trying to prepare them for isn't just someday in the distance, it's right here, right now. John's life and John's example poses a question to you this morning. To you, the people of God on this day, right now, In the middle of January, 2023, John comes baptizing so that Jesus might be revealed. He prepares the way by softening hearts and opening minds. This is his work, but it is also yours. And so the question today from the gospel is this, what is it that you are doing so that Jesus might be revealed? And I'll say again, as I have in this this season where we talk about John before, that I'm not asking you to be John. No one can do that, John is John, and you are you. But each of us, by virtue of that baptism, and by virtue of the fact that our baptism makes us one, makes us part of one body, is the great equalizer in many, many ways. Each one of us then is called to do the same kind of work preparing the people around us and the world around us to hear and see and come to know Jesus. Each one of us is called not just to live with these softened hearts and open minds, but to try and share that place, that place of generosity and kindness with the people around us, to prepare people so that they can hear and see and live in such a way that we reveal Jesus to the world around us. So I'll ask again, what are you doing in your normal life, in your day at work, in your time with parents or children, in the grocery store, in the coffee shop? What is it that you are doing so that Jesus might be revealed? How are you in your words and actions telling people that you believe that God has acted, that you know Jesus, that you believe in love and faithfulness and compassion and kindness and transformation and new life? How are you living into the work that God is calling you to do? If you're sitting there thinking, I have no idea what that work is that I'm called to do, you're not alone. I'm sure there's quite a few people who feel that way, not just here in this space, but all over. And that's why we're here together. And if you need help with that, I would love to help you with that if you're willing. Because for each of us, there is work and a place at the table that is set up just for us. Or if you're sitting there and thinking, I actually feel like John at the beginning of that sentence, I'm not sure I know him as well as I should, or what he looks like or where to find him. Again, I say to you, you are not alone. And there's no should. None of us have seen him or touched him the way that the disciples have. And yet, we know him best in this place and in each other, in this community, in our worship, in the love that we share with each other, both in and beyond these walls. And I see him regularly in the way that we serve our community and in the little ways that we show up and offer each other, and our neighbor, that love and generosity and compassion and kindness that John, all those many years ago, was calling the people of Israel to repent and renew among themselves. The promise of the gospel always is that he is here. He is here right now among us. He is here right now in you and beside you and with you. And so the invitation I think this morning is for you to really latch on to the ways, the places where you've seen him, the moments that you've had, the glimpses where you've known him and hold them tightly. And like John, let those little moments, those little glimpses, let them fuel you and fill you up. Don't just brush them off as a, a moment that happened a while ago and maybe you read it wrong and, Don't rationalize it, just hold it. And unlike John, who was ultimately very alone, I think, in this work, you don't have to do it alone. So don't. But travel this week, asking yourself the question and wondering in your own life, what it is that you are doing and saying that is preparing the world around you to know him? What it is that you are contributing that will soften the hearts and open the minds of your neighbors. What work is it that you are fulfilling so that Jesus might be revealed in the world? Amen.